I'm Brittany Diaconis. I am the owner and founder of Skin Radiance Med Spa in Tampa. I'm originally from Illinois and I went to college here in Florida and eventually um, I ended up getting into skincare after I had my children. I have two beautiful children. I love them so much but it definitely messed up my skin with the hormones and things that happened um, throughout pregnancy. So through that experience I began to study the science of corrective skincare, and that's what led me to open Skin Radiance Med Spa. Hi everyone, my name is Dr. Deepa Bhatt. I'm the owner and founder of Revive Plastic Surgery here in South Tampa. I originally am from kind of all over the place. I grew up in Michigan and I did undergrad at the University of Michigan, so go blue. I did medical school at Rush Medical College in Chicago. I did some general surgery in Chicago, and then I did my integrated plastic surgery training in upstate New York, in Albany, New York. And then after all of that training, decided to do one more year of an aesthetic surgery fellowship in California, learning from some of the best names in plastic surgery today. So I'm really excited to finally have moved to Tampa. My husband grew up in St. Pete, and we have a beautiful little mini golden doodle named Theo, who is the joy in our lives. Uh, and I'm so excited to be here today to talk with Brittany and talk with you guys about all things skincare, all things plastic surgery, and how those two worlds meet. The world of skincare is obviously huge. There's so much oh goodness, yes. that goes into it. What do you specifically love the most about your profession and in the world of skincare? So, in my profession, I absolutely love the science behind corrective skincare. And it's really hard to narrow it down because there's so many things and so much technology and just advances that we've had in the past few years for corrective skincare. Um, I would say that I, I love treating um, acne and scarring. Uh, probably more, I, I treat everything, but those two things really make people so self-conscious. So to be able to take a client from the beginning and, and just kind of you know, analyze their skin, go over what, um, what skin type they have, what they should be using at home, what treatments could get them to their goal and actually getting them there. That is just, it's just so satisfying. It's just, it's, it's one of the things that just make my job. Like I love going to work every single day. I love to be able to do that, create the plan for them. And then I kind of feel like a mad scientist a little bit. <laughs> I'm giving them all these products and treatments and all these things and then taking them from, from somewhere where they're so self-conscious and uncomfortable. Maybe, you know, as a woman, we feel like we have to cake so much makeup on our face and things like that to the point where, and I have so many clients, they come in and they're just like, make me look like a Snapchat filter. <laughs> so my goal is to make it so that you feel like you don't have to have the filter, that you don't have to have the makeup. And so in general, like I do the fluffy facials and all of that, and that's nice and relaxing. But my thing that I really just enjoy the most is um, doing the medical services, chemical peels, microneedling, things like that to really truly transform someone's skin. I love that. And I think that you know, people, unless they've gone through that journey, don't necessarily understand what an impedance it is to feel so uncomfortable in your own skin. Absolutely. You know, a huge overlap with plastic surgery as well, but 
to see people feel like they can't step out of the house without three inches of makeup on or, you know, they're right. literally not living their lives because they're still self-conscious about their skin. Yes. Uh, it's just really incredible that you get to help people be their best selves. Yes. And I absolutely love it. Um, so how about you for yourself? Like, what do you enjoy the most with, with your practice, with your profession? Um, what is it that really just drives you and, and what makes you enjoy work every day? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. So the world of plastic surgery is so huge, right? And I think a huge misconception about plastic surgery is that it's all about boobs and butts and, you <laughs> yes. know, it, like, yes, yeah, some of it is, but the majority of it honestly isn't. So when we go through plastic surgery training, a lot of it is based on reconstruction, like after, you know, massive facial trauma, after someone gets their leg run over by a piece of heavy construction machine or something. Right. Uh, so a lot of it is just making the patient feel whole again and putting them back together. And I got into plastic surgery specifically because I just remember being a general surgery resident and realizing that I just enjoyed the reconstructive part of breast cancer so much more than the actual taking out the cancer part, which is obviously hugely important. But what I realized when I was talking to these patients is that that second part, what the plastic surgeons are doing, like putting that patient back together, that is just so powerful. And I don't think we really understand that until a vital part of us has been taken away. Oh yeah. And then you realize, wow, this is part of my identity. And it just feels really good to be able to make patients feel whole again. And Absolutely. that can be in the reconstructive realm. That can be in the aesthetic realm. You know, you've had three kids. Your ab muscles are like three feet apart. <laughs> you know, it feels good to be able to give these patients their lives back again. So that's what I love about plastics. Awesome. One of the first things that I ask um, any new client that comes into the spa is if you could have a magic mirror and fix anything on your skin, what would it be? Um, my reason for asking that is just so that I can see what their biggest insecurity is for their skin so I can kind of help to get them to where they want to be in their skincare journey. Now, I will say one thing that comes up all the time is these girls will show a picture of a celebrity or talk about, you know, I just want my face to look like a filter. I want, you know, there to be no pores and I want my lips to be as puffy as possible and then basically just look like some animated Disney character. <laughs> um, and the thing is, uh, with, with what I do or what both of us do, there is only so much that you can do. Number one, you cannot get rid of pores. That's like one of the biggest things. Like women all the time, they'll come in and they're so self-conscious about their pores. I can help minimize them. We can help reduce the appearance of them, but I can't make them go away. That's just not a realistic expectations. I also cannot get rid of every single line in your face. We have expressions. We smile, we laugh, we cry, we all the things. And those expressions are part of our features. To eliminate all of those, we would honestly look ridiculous. It looks cool in a photo maybe, but not, not really. Um, and so it's, it's the same thing, you know, when, when people come in and they show you, like, I have a really good friend who owns a hair salon and she tells me all the time, like women will come in and they'll show a picture of like, I want my hair to look like this. And she will do their hair exactly the same way as the celebrity that they showed. And then they're not happy with it because it's, it's not, they want to look like the, the celebrity and not who they truly are. And so when you take somebody else's features and you put them on your own, you don't always look so great. <laughs> I mean, that's true. 
whenever I get my hair done, I take a picture of Cassie, um, the singer, because oh. I think she's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I ask the hairdresser to make me look like her. Mm-hmm. And she does a great job. And I'm like, well, I still don't look like Cassie. I know. <laughs> but what you just said, you, you want to look like her. Like, yeah. we have okay. ideas in our head of what beauty is sometimes because of what social media puts out there. Because of the content that we see, what what's trending at the moment. I mean... One year, I, a few years ago, like big boobs were in. <laughs> and then now it's like nobody really wants, they're not in anymore. Everybody wants smaller boobs. There's so many different things that trend at the time. But if we just accept ourselves for who we are and we can enhance those features, but not try to change ourselves into being something that we're not. Um, I think that's just something that all of us should really just um truly just uh, manifest on and, and, and realize like how beautiful we already are. And if we have insecurities here and there, there are things that you and I can help with and help to enhance whatever features, but I can't make you into another human being. <laughs> I mean, that's so true. And I love that you keep saying that because my whole tagline, my whole philosophy is that I'm all about enhancing what is already beautiful. And that is you. I can't make you look like a vastly different person. And you know, in the same line about the whole filter, uh, you know, epidemic, yes. <laughs> that's really a thing going on. I also have patients that come into the office and they'll have three different heavily filtered pictures of themselves, your Photoshop photos of themselves. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, this is what I want to look like. And to an extent, we can achieve some of those things, right. right? I can add filler in your lips to make them a little bit more voluminous. I can add some mid-face support. I can do your eyelids uh, surgically if that's something that you're interested in. But like you're saying, I can't get rid of every single line in your face. And that would look weird. And that's, you know, the classic, oh, she's had way too much Botox and filler right. in real life, right? Mm-hmm. And that's never what we want because we always want you to look naturally beautiful and like yourself. Yes. So I always counsel patients when they come in that I will do my very best to help you achieve your goals, but we have to work together because they're all, they also just have to be realistic expectations, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. So let's talk about eyes. Um, one thing that I feel like, especially women getting into their 30s and 40s, we are all very self-conscious about our eyes. I feel like eyes... Typically, it can make us look tired. It can make us look older. All the things that we don't want to be. And we don't have that youthful appearance when we have any issues around the eyes. And by issues, I mean whether it's fine lines and wrinkles right along here, whether it's the puffiness under the eyes, even eyelids. And I actually, I have a lot of clients who are younger that are already concerned about their eyelids because... Um, it tends to be hereditary when you see your mother or your grandma or whoever with the hooded eyes. Um, so I do have clients wanting to come in for preventative measures uh, regarding hooded eyes or even just the bags under the dark circles under the eyes. For me, um, with what I do, there are, there are some things. We can try to do some kind of skin tightening um, services. There are products out there that help with boosting collagen, elastin, Uh, There are products that they sell all over that are stimulants that help to kind of help blood circulation so then you don't see those dark circles. That obviously is temporary. Um, Tightening the skin can help, but I find that there's only so much that we can do. Even if your skin is completely healthy, the bags are still going to happen. You have the drainage and whatnot, the lymphatic drainage, that that needs to go away. So a lot of clients, they want to use those jade rollers and things. 
but there's only so much you can do with that. And there's just a certain point where I have to refer them out to someone like you to do just a little bit more. And so in your opinion, at what point should a, a patient look into possibly going along the route of some kind of plastic surgery for the eyes? What can they do? Or should this be avoided before a certain age? I mean, what are your opinions on that? So as you were saying, I think that a lot of this is hereditary in these younger patients. You just can't help the way the genes that you were born with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's just how it goes. You have a lot of excess hooding. And in those cases, it's totally appropriate for us to be able to do an upper eyelid lift, otherwise known as an upper blepharoplasty, uh, on this patient population because no skincare is going to fix that. No device is going to fix that. Exactly. And as we get older, you know, as early as in our 30s, certainly it's a concern for me, these creppy little lines um, along my under eye. The best, there's so many ways you can go about this with the ultimate uh, gold standard being surgical. So we can do lasers. The CO2 laser, the erbium laser is really great for fine, fine lines and wrinkles. And that can be for someone as an adjunct to surgery or someone that just has lines and little else. Yes. And as we lose volume, because let's talk about aging. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> let's talk about aging. So as we age, we lose volume in our face, mm-hmm. right? And then things just sag and protrude in places that they don't normally when right. we were younger. So when we talk about our under eye bags, what is that? It's just fat that is normally contained very well by this nice little structure called our orbital septum. That orbital septum kind of weakens and sags and pooches and all that fat that's contained within our orbital septum also relaxes and also kind of pooches out. And so that's what you see. It's actually fat that's causing those under eyelid bags. Only way to remove that, surgery. And now with the way that we can do blepharoplasty, we actually make an incision on the inside of your eyelid you never have a scar that's visible. That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and we actually gently remove that fat and give you a nice flat contour. And we make sure not to over-resect because we don't want to look too sunken in, but mm-hmm. it kind of smooths everything out really nicely. Um, and then for very, very mild cases, you can put filler in that area and it can produce a temporarily great result. Right. But I find that a lot of patients come in, they're not quite ready for surgery, and they're, you know, they say, can you just put a little bit of filler there? And the answer is often no, right. because there's only a very select group of patients in which that's appropriate, yes. right? Because yes. the worst thing that we can do as providers is to give someone a treatment that they're not appropriate for, right. and then they're not happy, we're not happy, mm-hmm. nobody's happy. And so, no, exactly. Yeah. One thing that you had mentioned, um, client, that you, ha- you have patients coming in and they're not ready for any kind of surgery yet, um, and I know for myself, the word surgery sounds terrifying. Yeah. So if I'm talking about a surgery on my face, I'm thinking about something with tons of downtime, possibly life-threatening, all those things. I mean, this yeah. is what everybody thinks when they hear the word surgery. So how extensive are these procedures that you're talking about? If I wanted to come in to do um, like the upper eye, maybe get rid of some the hooded eye or what you were mentioning earlier, even under eye, what does that entail? Is that something that I need to, I don't know, fear in a way? (laughs) So that's a great question. Thank you for bringing that up. And you're right. Surgery does sound really scary and it's not a joke it's you know not some procedure that you walk in and out of you do laxadaisically it 
comes with risks, you know, comes with risks of anesthesia, comes with risks of the procedure itself. So I want patients to be really well informed. But with that being said, upper lid lifts or upper blepharoplasty, we can do right under local anesthesia in the office. The whole procedure takes about an hour. It's really comfortable for the patient. It's essentially painless. All you really feel is the sticks of lidocaine while we numb up that whole area. You can go home. Uh, the recovery isn't bad. A lot of times I'll just use completely absorbable sutures that'll fall off on their own. And if I do use some non-absorbables, you just come back in the office in a week. Okay. Uh, you could go to work if you really wanted the <laughs> next day, but a lot of patients don't because they don't like the sutures around their eyes to be visible. Mm -hmm. But really after a week, you're good to go. And with lower blepharoplasty, we can do it just under some sedation so the patient's a little bit more comfortable because we go on the inside of the eye patients prefer just to be asleep for it yeah it makes everyone feel better <laughs> <laughs> right because it's scary to have sharp things near your eyes when you're awake mm -hmm. um and we use eye protectors so the patient is safe the entire nice. time during surgery okay um so there's no risk of you know nicking the cornea or something. What is the downtime with that specific procedure? So really depends on each patient. There's generally a bit more bruising and swelling with lower lid blepharoplasty just because the procedure is a little bit more extensive. Mm -hmm. um, we're going a little deeper. Um, so I would give it about two weeks for you to start feeling completely normal again. But in a week, you can put makeup over it. You can, you know, get back to your normal life. Nice. Uh, with any surgery, I always say no, you know, crazy exercising like Orange Theory or <laughs> Fairy's Boot Camp. <laughs> Don't run a marathon yes, right yes, afterwards. Exactly. <laughs> so give your body time to rest and heal. And the worst thing you could do is, you know, invest all this time, these resources into having a surgery and then just having an unwanted complication. Exactly. After. after a treatment under the eye like that, would a client, so if, if uh, especially I find our older patients, um, if they have, will they have a lot of, I guess my question is, will they have a lot of loose skin under the eye after that kind of procedure? If you're removing some of the fat, is that something to be concerned about? That is an excellent question. So a lot of times that's why I actually combine it with a laser because that laser tightens up that skin. So that takes care of a lot of the loose skin oh, underneath see. that eye region. And if they do truly have a ton of excess skin, we do something called a skin pinch where we just take a little pinch of skin right underneath the eyes. Mm -hmm. And in that case, yes, you would have an external incision. Okay. Uh, but one thing that's really important to remember is that eyelid skin is among the thinnest in the body. It heals like nobody's business. It does. Yes. So uh, scars on the under eye or the upper eyelid, they're really, really imperceptible. And we always make sure that we keep it in a natural crease. So even if there is a visible scar, it's really hidden by the crease that you Perfect. were born with. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So cool. I remember when we were chatting a while back, you said that sometimes you feel like a mad scientist. Um, <laughs> and to get to mad scientist status, I feel like you kind of have to do crazy kooky things, right? That yeah. you probably shouldn't be doing. Definitely. Um, I know I have. I've done some really bizarre things. Uh, what is the, I guess, worst slash dumbest thing that you have oh, ever goodness. done? Oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so... Back when I was in college, all of this is trial and error. We yes. all do trial and error. I mean, when we're in high school, we do some of the craziest things. We put the craziest things on our faces. Um, in college, I don't know why. I, I think it stands out to me because I was at the age where I actually cared more about what I looked like. Mm -hmm. I was using those 
um, you know, those Bior strips that you put over the nose to oh, help yeah. get blackheads out. Yes. <laughs> and um, I remember I put one on, I think this was one of the first times I ever tried it. Yeah. Um, and so I put one on my nose, I let it sit, I probably let it sit for along I put it it was on there for a while okay well, you really wanted to get yeah pores clean. you gotta get the pores <laughs> clean I don't know how else to do this I didn't get facials back then <laughs> right. so um I remember I went to take it off and it hurts so bad like my eyes are watering I'm literally crying as I'm slowly trying to peel this off of my face and the under everything it was just brutal it, it hurts so bad but by the time I got I got the majority of it off and like the only thing that was left was right in the center of my nose and I'm like all right I'm so close to just getting this thing off I'm just gonna rip it off like a band-aid so I did and it ripped off the skin on the bridge oh, of my nose my God! <laughs> I was literally I was bleeding it was it was just not good the worst part about it is the next day I had a date it was like a first date with this guy that I don't know I liked him we went out and he <laughs> looked at me and he asked me what I did to my face I had tried to put makeup on it did not hide it and uh, I told I think I told him I ran into something or fell down or something oh gosh, but needless so to say we never ever went on a date after that ever again <laughs> Oh my god. So basically Biore cursed Oh my goodness. Cursed that date from the very it, did. it was a good thing yeah. because now I found the love of my life. It was meant to be god. it was God telling me yeah. don't go out with him. Yeah. Yeah, it was divine intervention. Yes, actually. That's what it was. But I've hilarious. been I've been scarred for life. I will not touch that again. Yeah. And honestly, it's so bad for your skin. It's so bad. You're pulling your skin. Um this area is some of the it's like the thinnest skin on your body, right? So like it, I've seen people, I've seen girls with bruises on their, like blood blisters on their faces. Yeah. It's just not, it's not cute. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. I, but you know what? Those ads, they make it like you can't not try it. You're like, God, have I you tried it before? Have you tried one of those? Um, I tried it when I was very, very young, uh, mm -hmm. but it wasn't as satisfying for me because I didn't get like all of like that. I took it off and it, there was like nothing there because there was... I was like 12, right? Well, <laughs> you know, what's interesting is, you know, people think that because there's stuff on the Bior strip that they just cleaned out their pores, yeah. but all they're doing is removing the surface, like just, just the surface area of their blackheads. They're not pulling it out from the roots because it's so topical. Yeah. So their pores are still wide open and they just fill up right away like you have to get a professional treatment to do all those extractions because the strip it's just it's just killing your skin don't do it <laughs> well look at you now <laughs> well okay so now I shared my story yeah. what about you what have you tried in the past that was just you wish you never ever did <laughs> um, okay so I feel like I should have known better because this actually was when I was in medical school. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So this is my first year of med school. Um, I have always had an interest in skincare um, mm -hmm. and I'm always trying weird new things. And this is actually now a TikTok trend, I guess, like called slugging. Oh um, but I just like took it to the next level. So I had this jar. Um, it wasn't even like Vaseline. It was like some off-brand petroleum jelly. so gross. And it was, <laughs> it's really gross when you think about it. And it was one of those like stupid scented ones. Oh like, no. Yeah, it smelled like aloe or cookies. I can't even remember what it was, but there was like a ton of crap in it that probably mm -hmm. shouldn't have So been you went to the dollar it. store and just That's got exactly it. exactly right. Yes, as a poor med student. Oh my you know, goodness. Experimenting on my face. Like 
a dummy. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have the most hydrated skin ever. So I just like slopped on this <laughs> like, mystery goo. Oh my God. Like a thick layer? Yes, like a thick oh my layer God. Every single day. And I was like, wow, I'm doing such good things to my skin. <laughs> and then I very quickly had to stop because I, I'm not kidding. I don't know what was going on, but my skin turned into like, like it turned reptilian. Like oh I, I had dinosaur skin. I had Stop. actual scales on my face. <laughs> so I was like, whoa. Oh my um, goodness. And you know, like the silliest part is I didn't even like, I was like, is it the Vaseline? Is it? Yeah. Is it something <laughs> like, else? Maybe it's something Obviously, else. Obviously it was a mystery petroleum jelly. Yeah. Don't yeah. do any petroleum jelly or any thick layer. I mean, some people use like the aquaphor, but yes. you're right. I mean, so did you start this TikTok trend? Because it is a newer thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That is true. So yeah, I would just like to be credited as there. You should get slugger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but don't do it. Don't yeah. do Don't try this at home, guys. Yeah. It's not, it's not good. I've had clients do that. And I've had some of them would get, it's almost like contact dermatitis on their skin. It just like, it wasn't true breakouts, but the red blotchiness everywhere. Because you also don't know like what's in that product. Like it might be petroleum jelly, but then what else is in it? Yeah. Especially in the US, like some things just aren't like, you don't know what you're putting on your face. Don't cake it on and then, you know, just, it's like smothering your skin overnight. Yeah. It's not a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> and then you end up uh, looking like a dinosaur. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. So, Brittany, are you on TikTok? I mean, I, I try to be to fit in with the cool kids. <laughs> TikTok is a black hole, I feel like. Oh, you it know? is. Once I start, and the algorithm just knows you so well, and knows exactly what to serve you up next, and you stay hooked. Um, and I have noticed this trend, and I just think it's crazy, <laughs> but I want to hear your thoughts on it. It is contouring uh, your face with sunscreen. So, oh, my goodness. Yes. I just saw – so it, it, they do. They target you because I just saw this morning yes. a video um, of contouring your face with the sunscreen. So the girl, the skin fluencer, yes. was taking – she took a makeup brush, and she was literally painting SPF under her eyes, along her jawline here, but keeping – this part without sunscreen. Like the cheekbone. Yeah, so it's yeah. almost like contouring, like the opposite of contouring so that the sun, when it hits your face, because she was going out to the beach. So she's going out to the beach, only putting sunscreen on certain areas of her face so that the other areas can get tan and she could have a natural contour. Don't do that. It's such a bad idea. <laughs> it's just, it's, first of all, I mean, I already freak out. I don't know about you. If I go out to the beach and you know that one spot that you always miss on like your back or totally. something, yes. and then you have like a red splotch yes. here and it just looks horrible. You're going to do that to your face. You're going to either have really severe burns on your face, especially if you're going out for an extensive amount of time. Some girls just daily do it, do this to their skin. Um, but the idea is we need to protect our skin. We need to be kind to our skin. So exposing just certain areas to UV rays, all of it's still going to cause aging and the breakdown of cells and hyperpigmentation is the worst thing. So if you're only protecting along here and along here, then, you know, right along the cheek area, which by the way is where we get a lot of acne, um, but you, we're going to get the hyperpigmentation or acne or any of that stuff. So just don't do it. I don't know. I don't know who started that, but. No. <laughs> and, and you know, it's like, I don't know, some crazy hack to like save you time and contouring, but like. I know, you know, you're doing something to your face. Just just contour if you really need to. Just put on the contour. Right. You don't, you don't need right. to damage your skin. And like you were saying, that's exactly what you're doing, right? When you are 
creating tan lines on your face, tanning is a sign of sun damage. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, your skin's defense mechanism when you are exposing it to very, very harmful. You're burning. You're literally burning your skin. Burning your skin alive. (laughs) Um, So totally agree. I think that's just nutty. Uh, And honestly, there's no guarantee that you're going to tan properly in all the right places more evenly. So you're just going to look like a weird splashy mess. It's it's not going to look good. And to be honest, like we're... We all wear makeup anyway. Like we're going to put, you can't see it if you're wearing makeup. So it really doesn't matter in the long run. I mean, if you're that, if you want your skin to look good, just put on like a tinted sunscreen or something just to kind of even out your complexion. We don't have to do all the contouring and all the crazy stuff. I guess it sounds cool to try, but it doesn't, it doesn't truly work. And even if it does for your specific skin type, um, it's just not recommended. It's not a good idea. No, totally agree. And like you were saying, in order to, in order for you to get the effect that you really want, um, so it actually looks like you're contoured, you really have to create a significant amount of sun damage on your skin. <laughs> you do. You know, so just think about you in 10 years when you have weird, you know, photo damage on the periphery of your face and underneath your cheekbones and you just look odd. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't let that be don't, you. Don't, just don't let that be you. <laughs> okay, so let's get to know you a little bit. <laughs> Tell me about your journey into this industry. Tell me how long you've been doing this. Uh, Just how did you get here? Okay. Well, um, I was born in Tennessee, so I and then we moved up to Illinois. I I grew up. My whole childhood was in Illinois. My parents still live in the same house that I grew up in. That's awesome. Um, And I say this because the Midwest is much different. Um, the sun up there is much different than it is down here in Florida. <laughs> but when I graduated from high school, I was like, I'm going to go to college somewhere else that's not freezing cold. So I chose Florida. I was up in Pensacola, up in the Panhandle, and I did go to college. Um, I did not study skincare. I actually studied music education. Um, wow. Yeah. So I played the piano and... Um, Oh my gosh, I don't think I knew that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I played the piano. Um, I grew up uh, just always, uh, since the age of five, I've, I've played. And um, everybody expected me to go because I can, I can, I mean, I'm, I can do okay. I can play. Oh, come on. All right. <laughs> but anyway. Good. <laughs> well, okay. But so, no, I, I, I start, started studying music. And then after, after college, I ended up moving down to Tampa. And, um. I realized, so Tampa, there was just some family down here and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, I, I moved down here and, um, I realized that teaching just really was not my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, it just wasn't something I was, I love playing the piano, but the teaching part I was less passionate about. Um, and so along these lines, one, trying to figure out what I want to do with my career, um, I was working. I hate saying this out loud, but I was working in a tanning salon. It was like the first job I could get. Stop, that is so scandalous. <laughs> it's so it's so bad. It's like that secret sin that I hide yes. from my clients. I worked in a tanning salon. It was the very first job I could get because I just needed a job. Yeah. And um and then I had my second child here in in Tampa. So you know, being I had I have two children now, and you know, throughout the pregnancy and whatnot, I was trying to figure out like what am I doing with my life? I can't work in a tanning salon forever. And, um, I started having my own skin issues, uh, because my, my mom is Chinese. So I have that, um, ethnicity where we just hyperpigment so easily. So I had the melasma from pregnancy. I had a lot of hyperpigmentation and acne, um, after baby. 
And so I remember going in the skincare aisle at like, I don't know, Walmart or something. And first of all, there's an entire aisle just for skincare and they all promise to do the same thing. And I just remember being so desperate. I don't care what I have to pay. If it will actually fix my problem, mm -hmm. I will pay it. But I, everything, the marketing is just, it's so saturated. I had mm -hmm. no idea where to look. So I started studying the science behind it so that I could figure out for myself what's going to fix my skin. And it was very interesting to me. I really enjoyed it. Um, so from there, I actually just on the whim one day, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go into skincare. I'm going to start uh, going to school for this and studying this. So um, I went and got my medical aesthetics license. And that was so much fun. I loved that journey. And I've been in aesthetics now for 10 years. Um, I've owned Skin Radiance uh, Med Spa for eight years now, and uh, when I opened it, I, I just wanted to, my whole passion was, I, I knew when I went to school, I want to be able to share, this goes back to the teaching thing that I got in college, <laughs> I wanted to be able to teach my clients how they can correct their skin without wasting a bunch of money on all these fluff and buff products, but actually seeing real results, because I was able to get my skin from looking crazy after a baby and all that insecurity to just a clear complexion where I don't feel like I have to wear makeup every day. So I've had the business now for eight years. Tampa's a great place to own a business and um, everybody's so supportive. Um, since I have a history in um, the tanning salon and all that bad stuff that we don't do anymore, um, I actually now incorporate airbrush tanning um, with my business. I've done a lot of work with um, like the Buccaneers cheerleaders and oh, how cool. yeah, so through all yeah. of that, it was really fun. And then of course, like lots of weddings down here. So I actually also started Radiance by Brittany, which is just my line of self tanning products so that you're not out in the sun, yeah. but you have something to use that'll give you the, the nice glow and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, also to contour your face or contour <laughs> your body. Yes. Yeah. Much safer than yes, the sun. Guys. Much safer yeah. than the sun. And, um, yeah, so beauty products and, and the skincare that I've, opened up and whatnot since I've since I've opened Skin Radiance Med Spa. That's so cool. And you know, just going back to the teaching thing, I think it's really funny that you said that you were a music teacher and you realized it wasn't your thing or teaching wasn't your thing. But you are teaching. But I am right? teaching. You're still teaching. Yeah. And you know, it's it's along the same lines I always thought like sales would never be my thing. Yeah. And then I realized like I'm not really selling anything. I'm helping my clients. It's not I'm, I'm passionate about what I do and I know that what I'm talking about will work. You just have to trust the process. Right. And then I see it's, it's life changing. It's literally life changing. It's so exciting. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So now that I've told you all about myself, um, if you'll share just a little bit about your journey, I would love to hear about it. Yeah, totally. Uh, this is always a really fun story and I love sharing it because it kind of always amazes me of how drastically things have changed. So I was actually born in India and I moved here when I was really, really young. Uh, my parents were so afraid that I would just become too American, which is so funny <laughs> now, you know, uh, because I am American. Um, right. So they, they didn't teach me English. Uh, so I showed up to my first day of kindergarten not knowing um, no. a, a word of English. And <sighs> so I almost failed kindergarten. Oh I would get like little notes on my sweater um, sent home being like, your daughter needs to learn English. If you don't teach her English, like, she's truly going to fail. Oh, my goodness. And the irony was my parents didn't speak English either. So <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, I somehow I figured out English. <laughs> anyways, I was one of those nerdy kids that just always knew that she wanted to be a doctor. Oh, that's um, awesome. But I knew in myself 
soul that I would never be a surgeon because surgeons are mean and they're scary. That is a stigma behind you know? it all. Yes. Yeah. Um, so when I started med school, I really thought um, my whole inspiration was my pediatrician growing up. Really thought I was going to be a pediatrician because I love babies, I love kids. Mm -hmm. um, but then I started my surgery rotation, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> surgery is so cool. I geek out over it. Uh, it is so amazing that you can take someone that has a certain problem or looks a certain way or just has some sort of issue, mm -hmm. and then within the matter of hours, you can dramatically change them. That's if they have cool. appendicitis. You just take out their appendix, and boom, they feel better. <laughs> you know. Um, if they have this huge like defect after trauma, you transfer tissue over and boom, like, you know, you've essentially recreated them from pieces of themselves, which yeah. I, like still blows my mind. So I geek out over it. But then <laughs> as I started plastic surgery, I realized that I love all of plastic surgery. I love trauma reconstruction. I love breast reconstruction. I love craniofacial surgery. I think the fact that we can fix cleft palates and cleft lips is just so cool. Um, and really life-changing for it these is. babies, right? Mm -hmm. Helps them speak normally again, helps them have normal social interactions again. But then I realized that I love aesthetic surgery for a variety of reasons because there's this stigma that just because you don't have this, you know, horrible medical diagnosis, it's vain to want to take care of yourself, right, right. which is just so far from the truth. I see patients every day that they come in and they say, I just don't feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. And that is hard. That is a yes. hard reality to live with every yes. single day. And if you have the means to fix it or if you are able to make yourself feel better and live your life more confidently, then right. by all means, why wouldn't you do it, right? Absolutely. So in that way, I really saw how aesthetic plastic surgery could be life-changing for these patients. You know, this really young guy that has lost 100 pounds through weight loss. He's now, you know, lifting every single day. He looks really good, mm -hmm. but he can't get rid of all of this excess skin. He still, you know, feels like he always has to cover up or whatever it may right, be, right. right? So the fact that you can offer them a solution and help them live their life again, that so. is really, like, that is why I love aesthetic surgery. So that is how I specifically got into aesthetics. That's and, awesome. You know, I always knew that I wanted to start my own practice. And we knew that we were going to live in Tampa. And so moving here, I just knew it was the right thing to do. And, you know, it, it's been fun. It's been quite a ride. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's so exciting.